Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. How are you? Oh, you know, hanging in there with, with the rest of us. Everyone, we're, we're all hanging in there. Yeah, that seems to be, we're all like those little cats on that, uh, on those mm-hmm. feel-good posters. Just hanging yeah. on that tree branch. Just hanging on. Just um, really hoping somebody will help us. Avril Lavigne, keep holding on. Yes. That's an embarrassing reference. Um, uh, I so... wouldn't expect any less from you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Our listeners wouldn't expect any less. <laughs> They know what they're getting when they listen to the mixed reviews. Welcome, everyone, to the mixed reviews. We are a podcast, a film podcast, in which we take a film subject such as an actor, a director, or a mini genre, and we cut it down to bare bones. We give you a full history, and we tell you what's good and what's not so good. Yeah, um, we, you know, are a little off our schedule just because of everything that is happening right now. Current events are a lot. There are a lot for a lot of people. Um, I I don't know. Maybe this yeah. is not my place as the resident white man on the podcast to, but <laughs> it's yeah. my turn. Um, it's your turn. Uh, no, I I just me and Gavin uh, decided earlier or a couple days ago. You know, we should postpone recording, and um, it's it, and all this is kind of sucks. You know, and truly our hearts, and we're gonna go straight to the you know, what I want to say. I think what we can do me and me and gavin neither of us are black um you know we are both queer people i'm a queer person of color we stand with the protesters and black lives do fucking matter um gavin and i have not talked about this specifically but gavin i was thinking on behalf of the mixed reviews um we could make a donation um to act blue which will um spread out some money to some really great organizations like reclaim the block national bailout uh campaign zero the marshall project and others um both me and gavin are very lucky to have day jobs um whether we enjoy them or not (laughs) um (laughs) i told you not to tell them (laughs) (laughs) but we are very lucky to still have them and so um I was thinking, Gavin, both you and me can give 50 bucks and $100 in the name of uh, the mixed reviews can go out there to support, um, you know, what's going on right now. It's um, it's serious and it matters. And I just um, think everyone and oh, God, <laughs> I'm getting emotional. We all can do what we can if do, you, you know, and, and I think if you cry, I, I'll cry. Don't do it. <laughs> all I'm going to say is, you know, I think it's been really hard on a lot of people saying, like, what can I do? How can I help? And the answer is the only wrong thing is staying silent. Absolutely. So if you can't go outside because it is there is a pandemic happening, give what you can. So whether it's $5, $10, $100, whatever it is, um, do that and just um, listen, be mindful and helpful to um, your black friends and family. Um, that being said, so yeah, me and Gavin are going to do that after the show. To any of you out there who are not a person of color obviously as louis said the the worst thing you can do right now is to uh not do anything um but it is very much a moment to listen and to learn and that's a really important part of this and as louis said donate 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 there are so many good places to donate um act blue which we're going to be putting our money towards it lets you donate to several several causes it's really great. Um, just do your research and and make sure that you know you're doing everything you can not to harm or get in the way of these protesters as well. And if you can protest, like I'm not asking you to go out and get hurt, but like lend yourself, but also yeah. be 
safe. Yeah. I'm I'm an immunocompromised person. I would love to go out. I'm still thinking about going out tomorrow, which is a dangerous thought. But like, things need to happen. So right, yeah, and um, so there's that. We don't want to be a downer on anything, and um, you know, we're here to talk about movies, which you know have always been kind of an escape. And um, we're also very lucky today, though, because we get to talk about a great American black actress who we picked before any of this happened. We picked her, you know, two and a half weeks ago. Um, So uh, let's celebrate her. Let's celebrate uh, great black acting in America. And, um, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. Absolutely. Black Lives Matter. Uh, So, Gavin, who are we talking about today? So we're talking about... Angela Bassett. But before we get into the wonderful, the amazing, the iconic Miss Bassett, mm-hmm. we got to have a little chat about some old business. We do have some old business. I did not put up the poll in time, so Gavin played some defense and uh, picked it up for me. I understand. On Friday, you were like, Chromatica dropped. I'm not doing shit. I was <laughs> very busy. I was very busy. Um, my enemy is me. <laughs> Uh, but we, our last episode um, with Brandon T. Snyder, who we love so much, um, we talked about Christopher Guest films. And so we, we asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite film. Um, in last place, we've, this has never happened, I don't think, with 0%, um, the big picture. Yeah. Uh, Which just uh, tells me that most people haven't seen it. I, had, I genuinely had never heard of it go, before yes, going into same, same. Or, yes. But that it was, was a very pick. good movie. Yeah. That was my pick, but it's a, it's a good movie. Um, 15% for A Mighty Wind, 32.5% for Waiting for Guffman, which was both yours and Brandon's pick. And then in 52.5%, Best in Show, uh, which I think is correct, like his most popular movie. Yes. Um, and it's... I would I would definitely say uh, one of my favorites as well. Um, it's which... it's so good, and I I genuinely went into that episode thinking that I was going to pick best in show, but uh, something about listening to Brandon wax poetically about waiting for Guffman it turned it turned me in the last minute. Yeah, like, she got like, you. Yeah, exactly. Like a Talbot staring at a full moon. I was gone. <laughs> That's a werewolf joke for all the nerds oh, you... in our audience. All you werewolves <laughs> out there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do we have any more old business or are we good? No, I think that's, I think we're good. So let's move yeah. on. Okay. To Angela let's Bassett. Let's move on. Angela Bassett. Gavin, I'm, I'm so excited. It's just you and me now. You know, we've had a couple of guests the last couple oh, yeah. episodes. Great, by the way. Don't, don't, don't downplay no, their effort. Yeah, they no, were fantastic. No, no they can, I can leave them without them. <laughs> don't need them. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, also, um, I'm just kidding, guys. I love you so much. Um, I also want to thank everyone who's been joining us for our Mixed Reviews watch parties. Yes. Um, last uh, Wednesday, we watched The Matrix. Yeah. Um, and it was a good crowd. And good I, crowd. I know that's like a film that everybody has seen. And it was just it was it was so much fun to be able to get together with a group of like minded people and just sort of um, d- both dissect it and take the piss out of it a bit. And, uh, yeah. you know, both worship it and be like, this is silly. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it was like, <laughs> I think at one point I said, God, the Matrix is fucking cool. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know what? Not wrong. Yeah. It, um, it maintains. It, it holds yes. up. So, Gavin, why did we choose Angela Bassett? I'm trying to think, did I bring her up? Did you bring her up? I think you brought her up. Uh, I But she's been on the list for a while. Um, I will say we are still in the midst 
with everything that's going on, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, We're both New York City residents, so New York City has not opened. We've not even entered stage one of reopening. No. Um, We're in a hot zone. Uh, So nothing's coming out. No movies are coming out. And so it's easier for us to do these people that don't necessarily have a new thing coming out, but that we've Mm -hmm. always really loved. And I think what's great about Angela Bassett is um, she represents this thing in my brain just this strength this pillar she is a a strong presence whenever she's on screen and just a powerhouse performer yeah and so as soon as you said i was like yes 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 like i need to and (laughs) you know what's funny is i don't know if her career has served her as good as her talent is I, you know what? It was funny. I was just thinking that, like, before we hopped on the Zoom, um, because I, I just literally, like, minutes ago finished Malcolm X. And I, I got to thinking, you know, um, she has been called upon to play some of the, like, pillars of w- Black women in American society. Um, and I, I got to thinking, you know, she's so revered and beloved. Um, in the African-American community. And it's because, you know, she's played Tina Turner. She's played Coretta Scott King. She played Malcolm X's um, wife. What's her name? Uh, Dr. Betty Shabazz. Yes. Thank you, Gavin. Um, She, you know, is (laughs) Queen Ramonda in Black Panther. She she played um, Rosa Parks. Yes. So like, yeah, she's she's like covering all the, the, the bingo spaces. Yeah. And so I... At one, I and I agree with you. I think uh, we talked a couple days ago, and I was like, "Oh man, she really deserves such uh, so much more from Hollywood." But at the same time, she has really crafted herself um, quite a career that um, you know is also in addition to those historical figure roles. She also has made these movies that are just like the foundation for. A lot of Black Hollywood, like waiting for exhale, waiting to exhale, Boys in the Hood, how Stella got her groove back. It's you know she is honestly like this beacon of what um, a Black Hollywood career could be. But also, you know, I think she's so powerful and so good that both of us are like she deserves more. Oh, absolutely. Um, because when you get her in those really amazing movies, you're like, fuck yes. Why aren't there more of these? Because there's also so many of them that just do not serve her at all. And I would also argue that more often than not, when she's cast in a film, she elevates a bad movie. Mm-hmm. I watched plenty of films that did not deserve her in which she yeah. was giving a thousand and ten percent. Absolutely. It's, and not in a way that's not in a showy way, not in a way that you're like, oh, she's eating the scenery. She's stealing, pulling focus. She always finds a way to to serve the material even if the material is not serving her and i think that's yeah. a really fascinating thing yeah i mean there's a lot of um she takes a lot of interesting turns also the, the 90s is very big for her um the the late 90s um and she has gone from big oscary movies now i mean she's literally on fox right now on on ryan murphy's show yeah um 911 so it's like she has i mean one thing I, I think I, I heard her say in an interview, she's like, listen, I'm a working actress, okay? I right. just need to keep working. Um, she said she doesn't 
audition much anymore. Right. But, um, and literally while she said that she auditioned for, the last thing she auditioned for was a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah. And she, and she didn't get it. And I was like, you know what, honey, you dodged a bullet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about uh, a sinking ship. That's a pirate joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Sorry, yeah. I'm off my game today. <laughs> oh, no, this is the level of jokes that you have all the time, Gavin. I don't know what you're oh, talking about. Okay, good, good. It's good to get this <laughs> feedback. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's been really interesting. And also, I got to say, like, uh, Gavin and I both have been talking about, like, our heads are, like, in weird spaces right now. It's hard to kind of, like, focus. And I will say even more, she has a lot of movies that... Um, you know, our, I mean, I watched Chirac yesterday yeah. and I was like, okay, um, watched Malcolm X today. I was like, okay, like it's just, yeah. she's in a lot of these movies that are um, uh, about the black experience and about a lot about what's happening right now, you know, and, and that speaks more to our fucking country than anything. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it, it just seems like everywhere I turned in watching her movies, I was seeing today i was seeing what we're still dealing with um so yeah it was it was exciting to go through her work though i mean she is quite the um the filmography absolutely so why don't we get into her rewind and give people an idea about her background and her career let's do it angela evelyn bassett vance was Mm. born what a name what a name yeah was born august 16th 1958 which makes her 61 which like me and gavin uh, are both like eye rolling yeah like (laughs) to the moon yeah um she cool what's it like to stop aging at 38 yeah she could literally play 35 to 60 and i'd be like yep that's correct yep correct exactly Uh uh-huh when there are movies where like she was like the mom character like of oh jumping the broom yeah i was like you are this woman's mother (laughs) you are this woman's mother all right i don't i'll see about that i want to see the receipts honey (laughs) because it just takes you literally i was like there's no way that this mom has a grown woman like child who is getting married right now anyway i digress yeah, that that movie, by the way. <laughs> lots, lots, of, lots of stuff in that movie. So she was born in New York City. She's the daughter of Betty Jane and Daniel Benjamin Bassett. And she was raised in Harlem. She's a yeah. Harlem girl. She's a New York girl. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're feeling kinship. Just like, a, just like us. <laughs> just like us. Born and raised. Both of us famously New Yorkers. <laughs> F- famously. Correct. Um the origin of the Bassett surname, and uh, I'm giving this to you guys for context because just, I mean, especially after this week, like, I don't, I don't know. All this stuff seems important, but the origin of the Bassett surname comes from her great grandfather, William Henry Bassett, who took the surname of his former slave owner. Hmm. Um, wow. So about 10 months after she's born, her mother becomes pregnant with a second child, uh, Bassett's sister, Danette. Um, and her mom said, you know, pregnancy only made things harder for her. And so she shipped her off to stay with her father's sister, Golden, Golden Bassett. Uh, I've heard her talk about Golden Bassett in interviews, and she basically, um, she stayed with her for a really long time. And there was talk of them 
giving her essentially to Golden because she she didn't have a child herself. The the saying later goes that my aunt told me is that she was she was supposed to raise me, but she didn't not to adopt me, but she was to raise me because they never had children themselves. They mm. weren't able to. So I I moved there. My mother was having my younger sister. She was my father. They were, you know, <laughs> volatile, you know, relationship at the time. And so she was leaving. She was like, we're leaving. We're leaving your daddy. He was like, get back in the house. <laughs> you know? But finally she did. I remember getting a call when I was young because I would always try to call my, my auntie mom. You know, when you're a baby, yeah. you know, you look for father, mother. And I would go, mommy. And she, but she would always... She was always clear with me, I'm not your mom, you have a mommy, I'm not your mommy. She was very clear, she didn't try to, you know, take that role. And I would get mad because I wanted a mommy, you know. So I remember getting a call one day and it was like, hi Angela, this is your mommy, I'm coming to get you. And I remember hanging up going, I don't have a mommy. And hanging wow. up next thing, and she's at the door and I'm, you know, you know, picked up and swiftly off to St. Petersburg, Florida where she and her sister Danette were raised by her mother. Angela has said before that her mother was a pretty, you know, uh, traditional militant, you know, mother who was very like by the book and very, um, you know, just unforgiving, um, was going to make sure that she like raised her with an iron fist and said, you know, if you're going to do something, do it all the way. And, um, you know, I think maybe a little bit different than what she was, uh, you know, used to with her aunt. Because I think she yeah. thought her aunt was a little bit more warm and loving. And this is not yeah. any shade on her mom. I, I don't know that relationship or what happened with them. But she has said that her her biological mother was very um, hard. Angela doesn't see her father again for several years. In fact, she doesn't see him again until her grandmother's funeral. And at that funeral, she finds out she has a sister from her father's mm. previous marriage uh, who's 12 years old, uh, which is many years older than Angela herself. In 1970, she started attending middle school. Uh, this is the first year busing was implemented to integrate public schools in St. Petersburg, Florida. I just want you guys to think about that for a moment. Um, 1970 uh, was when they began busing students for the first time to integrate a school in Florida. Yeah. That's barely 60 years ago, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. We lived in a fucked up country. Um, we still live in a fucked up country. After completing seventh grade, uh, she was bused to Azalea Middle School for eighth and ninth grade. During this time, as you mentioned, her mother gets a little stricter and she becomes very involved in her daughter's grades and told her and her sister that they were both going to college. In high school, Bassett was a cheerleader and a member of Upward Bound, college prep program, the debate team, student government, drama club, and choir. She was basically an overachiever. She became a straight A and B student for the most part. She got her first C in physical education. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy because literally every movie you see her, she is cut up. Oh my jacked. god. Her her fucking arms and what's love got to do with it. Like, her like arms I, in every movie. <laughs> I was I was obsessed and then there's a bit at the end where it shows a real concert with Tina Turner and I've seen that movie before but like my brain and I was just like oh wow she's even more like Tina's yeah. pretty jacked as yeah. well. But I was like damn. <laughs> I, I mean it's, it's like did God invent clavicles for Angela Bassett because literally <laughs> it's that thing like um, do you remember way back at the beginning of the season of Drag Race when um, Jada like took off that thing and it was like shoulders and clavicles. I was yes. like, 
it's that same thing. And for whatever reason, like literally black women just have just the most gorgeous shoulders and clavicles of the human race. I don't particularly like love to work out, but I know that it's important for me. I also have been told by doctors that my, my body type, my makeup, my genetics loves fitness. So I should give that to myself. So as you mentioned, mother, a little strict. She mm-hmm. tried to get her mother, you know, not to feel disappointment in her. And she told her mother, C is an average grade. And her mother said back to her, I do not have average kids. Um, so she described a sense of pride in her developing from that. And she never got another C until college. During high school, Bassett became the first black person from Boca Ciega to be admitted to the National Honor Society. So hard work totally you know does everything she can to make sure her mom will be proud of her and she can get get into a good school guess where she ends up going she goes fucking yale ever heard of it (laughs) she receives a ba degree in african-american studies in 1980 and then in 1983 she earned her mfa degree at the yale school of drama um yeah her aunt golden um didn't want her to go to drama school told her many times that she was wasting her Yale education on theater. Um, But in the end, Angela Bassett is the only family member to have gone both to college and graduate school. Um, Also, um, I love this. And I feel like not enough people talk about this. While at Yale's School of Drama, she meets her future husband, Courtney B. Vance. Let's talk about power couples, okay? Oh, my God. Because holy shit. Like, when I... I don't think I knew this. I might have, like, seen them on a red carpet or two, but, like, just seeing pictures of them together. This is, like, these two powerful actors who, like, are so good at what they do and who also, like, mind their business and, like, are never problematic. Like, oh, Never making a tabloid. Never. No. And And the funny thing is, too, when you see them in interviews, it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's like a young couple who's like flirting with each other. And it, weirdly enough, I feel like he plays these sort of contemplative, less strong characters when he acts. I mean, he mm. clearly has a, a, a passion when he acts, but but they're usually a little understated. And she is such a presence when they're in interviews together. I feel like it's reverse. He's like gregarious and funny. Yeah, and, yeah. and she's kind of like, oh. Oh, babe. Like, yeah, she's always yeah. like, oh, Courtney, stop. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're embarrassing us on Oprah, please. Exactly, exactly. And um, he's just like, like fun dad character, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh. The funny thing is, is he does not remember meeting her in college. Um, not until years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Shocked, if you right? can see me, my mouth is agape. I do most definitely remember him. I don't remember her at all, really. He was tall. Lish, <laughs> dark, skinny, and um, just alluring. I don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't remember her at all. Years later, they do a play together. He was dating uh, one of the other actresses in the play. The way it goes. Sorry, girl. The way it goes. See ya. Um, after graduation, Bassett worked as a receptionist for a beauty salon and as a photo researcher. Um, she began working, looking for acting work in the New York theater. Um, in 1985, she appeared in J.E. Franklin's Black Girl at Second Stage Theater. She appeared in two August Wilson plays, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Joe Turner's Come and Gone. 
And these sort of really launch her career, but it's not an easy road. And she really pays her dues. In 85, she makes her first television appearance as a sex worker in the TV movie Double Take. Um, and she makes her film debut as a news reporter in the movie FX, which is a movie I loved as a kid. I have no idea if it holds up because I was not going to watch an entire <laughs> film for a news reporter scene with Angela Bassett. I have never seen this movie. Don't know what it is. Oh, it's, it's fun stuff. Um, but I that's have 86. seen her second movie. In 1990... Uh, after moving to LA, she appears uh, in a little film, a little indie film called yeah. Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, she um has this like I saw, I found like this thing where she's like recalling all of her roles, and she's like, oh, when I I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was very studious. He was reading that script, and I was like, girl, for the movie Kindergarten Cop, <laughs> how he much was really struggling the- to read that script? Yeah. <laughs> She said she got paid $750 for her, like, one little scene as a, um, I think she was an airline stewardess. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, she's a, and so, real quick, um, did she know, just from working with him on that film, that he was going to solve racism? You know what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Good, thank God, thank God for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. But, um, I say that with sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I get it. He has a donkey. We all love him now. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but in 1991, she makes the film that I is really her breakout performance, and that's Boys in the Hood. Um, yes. She, she, you know, it's John Singleton's first film. We have talked about this before. We talked about it in our Regina King episode. One it's of my a favorites. Really amazing movie. Um, I love. I love Angela Bassett's role. Um, and love her role and love this movie because it truly is just like a groundswell of like young black talent and like Absolutely. at the beginning of the 90s you know i mean uh john singleton just chef's kiss and and literally the way that he cast this was he basically began asking people that he knew or had met doing sm- sm- minor film work and and roles like he cast uh lawrence fishburne because he was working as a production assistant and a security guard on Pee Wee's Playhouse, oh where Lawrence God. Fishburne was playing Cowboy Curtis. Amazing. Um, he wrote Ice Cube's role with Ice Cube in mind while he was working as an intern at the Arsenio Hall show. So, like, <laughs> he, um, I mean, it, it is interesting to see how he got all these actors together. Bassett, you know, like I said, it's her first major film role. Um, but she really took to John Singleton. She referred to him as her little brother on set. And she said, quote, I'd been in L.A. for about three years and I was trying, trying, trying to do films. We talked. I auditioned and he gave me a shot. I've been waiting to work with him ever since. Unfortunately, as many of you know, John Singleton passed away a couple of years ago um, and a true loss of an artist. The, the rest of his career maybe didn't pan out as much as the promise of Boys in the Hood presented. But um, I don't know. He died very much too young and. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and he like that's a truly a lost um, you know artist that deserved more, deserved better from the industry, deserved better from you know everyone. Because uh, yeah, uh, her next big role is in 1992's Malcolm X, uh, which is a Spike Lee film. It is a long movie, but it is well worth your time. I will say, if we're talking negatives, I know you just finished it, Louis. If we're yeah. talking negatives. You know, she plays Dr. Betty Shabazz who is Malcolm X's wife, as well as a civil rights activist herself. And 
Yeah, I think the movie doesn't do a lot for that character, unfortunately. But, you know, it's more about Malcolm. So. Right. I mean, the movie, uh, if I don't, we probably won't talk about this movie again, but I will say at the, it is long. It kept me hooked, though, the entire time. Oh, it's amazing. And I will say at, by the end of it, <laughs> you know, it's it's an emotional roller coaster. And at the end, there is um god why am i forgetting nelson mandela (laughs) has a cameo and he's saying a speech by malcolm x and when i realized you know the the camera's kind of far at first and then it zooms in slowly and i'm like is that that's nelson mandela holy fuck (laughs) and then i found myself like on the verge of tears because it's like i can only imagine spike lee asking nelson mandela to you know talk and be in this movie and say, uh, I don't know, it is this whole trinity of like black superheroes coming together in this very emotional movie. Um, yeah, it's if you haven't watched it, it's worth your watch. During production of Malcolm X, Spike Lee played Bassett a tape of the exact moment of when Malcolm X was shot during the assassination because they'd be filming the scene and she'd get a better idea of what was going through uh, Dr. Betty Shabazz's Go, what she was going through seeing her husband die, Bassett called the recording haunting, but noted after listening, she was able to grab a hold of the pain and recreate it. Yeah. So it's not an easy thing. She has like a couple of like really good scenes. And I think the one of her confronting Malcolm about, you know, where is all the money going? And like, you know, is the nation um, really going to be there to help them? Sweetheart, you got to help. I'm trying to help. I'm raising our children practically by myself. And what am I doing? All over the country. What what do you want me to do, Betty? What do you want me to do? You want me to stay home? Do you want me to stay here and cook the food? Do you want me to make the beds and do everything? Go on the road. These people need you. We need you. Well, I need you too. But what do you want me to do? Just tell me. What do you want me to do? You can face death 24 hours a day, but the possibility of betrayal never enters your head. She's acting up against Denzel Washington, like maybe like the greatest, you know, um, actor of our generation. And she's holding her own and she's fucking killing it. And it, it's it's and she's playing a really complicated character up against another very complicated character. And I was just thinking like, damn, you know, and, and that's kind of like it flicked the switch when like you were saying, like she deserves more roles and chances like this instead of doing, you know, like fucking Olympus has fallen. Like, yeah, it's. Yeah. It's, you know, th- those, I'm sure, a great check. And, I mean, she's fine. But, like, they're certainly not challenging her like this type of material is. And 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 I think you and me are both, like, kind of recognize, like, she can handle it. She, you know, she's yeah. an actress that can handle this stuff. And so when you see her doing, like, other kind of lesser fare more often, it's, it's, it's disappointing. She earns an Image Award for this movie. And it's highly deserved. And once again, this is 92. This is the year after she makes her first big film. So yeah. that's, that's a huge thing. Um, also in 92, she plays Catherine Jackson in the Jacksons in American dream. Uh, if you've ever accidentally left your channel changer on VH1, you've yes. seen this movie, especially like what it might've been like what 1995. Like, yeah, it was, they were always playing this yeah. on VH1. I've, I think I've seen this movie a thousand times. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, she loved the Jacksons growing up so much that she didn't really care that 
the movie kind of presented a negative view of the Jackson's family life because she was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I love I'm just, them. Just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. Um, and you know, the, the roles just keep coming in really early on in her career. Cause in 93, she plays Tina Turner and what's love got to do with it. Yeah. That's her like really big break. That's the one that like put her on the map because She's the lead, and also it's fucking Tina Turner. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, she got a fucking Oscar nomination. Um, She, you know, everybody and their mother auditioned for this role. She beat out Halle Berry and Robin Givens. Uh, she was only cast a month before they started shooting, which is why um, she is dubbed by Tina herself in the film when she sings. Now, I do want to get to this because I've seen many an interview where Miss Bassett herself has said that she's not very good at singing, but she would have given it a shot if there'd been more than a month to prepare. Right. And I love the fact that she's like, I'm game. But she says, you know, she's good at dancing. She's great at acting. Not so much the singing. And she but she also says, you know, that that shoot was exhausting and hard. And she said that she would stay up just listening to his records over and over just so she could really get the breath work down. And she was like, I wanted to be very convincing that you know, they wouldn't have to edit so much around her performance um, because there's like some really long set pieces in there where she's performing on these shows and it's her running up and down and singing. Oh, I my mean, God. Can you imagine? Like, and she says she was like sore the entire. She's like, there were no easy days shooting this film. I believe it. I believe it. I remember how strenuous and arduous it was mm. physically, but also emotionally. Every day it was like. You know, you had to just go in so deep emotionally in, in three months. And usually it takes nine months to a year of between finishing a movie and it being yeah. sweetened and edited and put together and then presented. But it was three months later to coincide with her world tour. Unbelievable. It was crazy. Yes. But we did it. She uh, only got to meet Tina Turner twice, but they were prolonged meetings. Tina did her makeup for one of the scenes. Oh my God, Gavin, that interview she, that she talks about it. Oh, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> she... Um, yeah, she called her supportive and her biggest fan. Tina Turner has since decided she doesn't like the film very much. But Really? Really? She said yeah. that? Oh, yeah, yeah. She said she's never watched it. She's tried. She's never made mm. it through. And she says it's um, basically full of lies. That it's really? not. But it's all based off her memoir, Itina. Right. Um, but there, there are definitely some... Fact, I mean, some big facts changed, but you know, do you know what they are? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like things, things like um, Tina Turner's first child is not Ike Turner's son. He's the son Mm. of a member of the band. The scene where he rapes her apparently never happened in the Uh, like um, fish tank. In the recording, yeah, in the recording studio. That scene is so hard to watch. It's hard, (laughs) but (laughs) but she's but she's so good. She's oh, she's very good in it, and then Lawrence Fishburne is very good in it. Um, Lawrence Fishburne is very good. Obviously, Ike Turner denies everything in the movie, but you know, but fuck him. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know that about. I mean, I guess I'm not like a fucking Tina scholar, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So so it's an interesting relationship that Tina Turner has with her own movie. I mean, obviously, like we we've talked about film adaptations before. I in the Tim Burton episode, I mentioned how much I love Ed Wood, even though it's a pack of lies, liar. But, but like. I don't know. I I think this is a really amazing performance and a, and a really great movie and an interesting movie as well. There's some script issues, I would say, but I think the structure of it's really amazing and the way it sort of plays with the 
film formats as well. But she does earn an Academy Award nomination, as you mentioned. Yes, yes, she yeah. wins the Golden Globe, I believe. She does, and she becomes the first black woman to win the Golden Globe for Fucking Best crazy. Actor. Oh my God, I mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. I want to say hi, Mama, I love you. Thank my mother, my entire family, all my wonderful friends, Mr. Lloyd Richards and the Yale School of Drama, my agents, Ambrosio Mortimer, the greatest co-star I could ever imagine, Mr. Lawrence Fishburne. I love you. I love you, Lawrence. Thank you. And lastly, to the most generous national treasure I've ever had the pleasure of encountering, and portraying Miss Tina Turner, wherever you are tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. And she wins it in the musical comedy category, which is yes. <laughs> bonkers. Because what's love got to do with it? Hilarious. Yeah, uh, definitely a musical, definitely a comedy. Like, even the I... musical moments are like, <laughs> what? Because I think there's a couple of things happening here. The 90s are really her time. She plays... You know, at the beginning of her, of, of when she's breaking through, she's playing a lot of these real people. And then because the 90s are a fucking weird time, like I was watching um, Strange Days earlier and I was like, the 90s were fucking crazy. Yeah. Like we really thought that the future was going to fucking end us all. And you know what? And, they were right. And it was, were right. And, and, but yeah, but then they also thought the future was going to happen in like five years. Yeah. And that yeah. was their mistake. No, um, no, it's going to take us an extra 25 years to end yeah. it all. Thank you. But like she plays a lot of um a lot of sci-fi thriller things come yeah. um to her in a couple of years. It is it's funny because in 95 she does Vampire in Brooklyn, Strange Days and Waiting to Exhale. Uh you mentioned Vampire in Brooklyn in our Vampires on Film episode. It's uh, very Str- silly. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually think uh I hadn't seen it in a long time. Uh I think she actually has really good chemistry with Eddie Murphy. I think that's one of the best parts of that movie. Yeah, she's, I mean, she, she sexy vampire, check, got it. Yeah, she's she's got nailed it. it. Um, Strange Days, uh, as you mentioned, uh, I really like. Um, I my, my negative watching it for Angela Bassett is um, anytime she's like pining for Ray Fiennes, I'm like, girl, you can do better. Right. Like, I, w- I, I would watch a spinoff film of her character without Ray Fiennes. And he's good in the movie, but he's such a loser just like he is a loser this is your life right here right now it's real time you hear me real time time to get real not playback you understand me she doesn't love you anymore maybe she did once i don't know but she doesn't now these are used emotions it's time to trade them in memories were meant to fade lenny they're designed that way for a reason. Have you ever been in love with someone who didn't return that love? Yeah, Lenny. I I think this movie is so fucking weird. And <laughs> I was, the whole time I was like, oh my God, I bet you, and let's go with me here. I was like, because literally... I don't know how many times we had to see Juliet Lewis's boobs in this movie, but we did. Um, it's never all, enough, Louis. <laughs> I know. And all I can think of was like, did 
did 20th Century Fox like demand more tits? And like, what committee of men made this movie? And then the movie ends, and it's directed by Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow, <laughs> but but written by James Cameron. And I'd actually, I will say this before we move off of Strange Days. I I almost think it's maybe one of the better like quote unquote James Cameron movies because Catherine Bigelow like cuts the nonsense out of it. She brings like a real human depth to his like science fiction because he's always like yeah science fiction and then it's like cold and heartless and like what but- it's it's still shocking to me that that man made Titanic which is like a, a love story that everybody connects to because he is that's not him baby. And, the, uh, what's wild is like the movie ends 10 different times where it does, it's like it and then they kill the bad guy but then wait there's more bad guys <laughs> and then oh wait they, and, and it, I could not believe the amount of times and they like they build up on the tension and they're like okay it's fine now yeah. and then no you thought there and it's literally the the it, it you were like, like a, if Vincent D'Onofrio gets up one more time. <laughs> literally I was like this is a, a this movie's parodying itself like it's a parody of Hollywood in the 90s <laughs> um and then waiting to exhale which i think is the next yes the, the next big one we have to talk about um yes i i had i had seen waiting to exhale i think as a child but i i didn't see it until we did this right. and uh <laughs> i i think it's fine i don't think it's great and i want to know if i had been of age when it came out if i'd be like oh this is classic but so like, I, I was thinking, I think my first week of watching for her, I hit all of the quote, like, black movies first. And I, I mean, and that includes her Tyler Perry stuff, um, this movie, how Stella got her groove back. And I was like, you know, for some of them, it's like, I had to realize, like, this movie is not for me. Like, it's not yeah. for me as an audience member. Um, and I think like, and I don't want to talk too much about Tyler Perry, my, me and my feelings about Tyler Perry. Um, but I think a lot of, for better or worse, I know that his, he's not making those movies for me. And I have to just like right. understand that and like, let it go also. Um, Waiting to Exhale is also not made for me, but I also think it is a showcase for these great black women and just in a way that you never get to see. Yeah. Um, who directed this movie? Is it Forrest Whitaker? It's Forrest Whitaker, which who has is... never directed a film before. He'd done a TV movie, I believe, but that's... That is bonkers. I, I mean, I had never seen this movie, and so I'm watching it, and I was like, Forrest Whitaker got Whitney Houston <laughs> in a yeah. movie about women... And, and it's well-directed. About black women who are having sex, have... Are, like, are all career women, you know, who... And, and I just thought, oh my god, they... This movie, if it made today, they would put them in Atlanta. They'd put them in New Orleans. This movie is set in fucking Phoenix, Arizona, and they are not yeah. the on- and they are not the only black women. They have a community around them. I was like, this is mind blowing. And I, I, you know what? I I like the movie a lot. I think she has an iconic. I mean, the iconic scene. Come on, yeah. it's it's pretty fucking great. Fun. I mean, oh yeah. And I have no, I have no qualms with her. Um, I would watch a billion films with her and Loretta Devine together, too, nonetheless. Yes. I think Whitney Houston is better in this movie than she is in The Bodyguard. Wow. Uh, completely. And she's not very good in The Bodyguard. Let's be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're letting our secrets out. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know. So, some of it just didn't sit right with me. And like, 
the scene where where Loretta Devine tells her son Donald Faison her, that his father uh, is gay. gay. Like it was, I found all that stuff really awkward. And I understand it's of the time, but like it felt it felt more dated than a lot of older movies do occasionally feel more dated though i did like that her ex-husband is giancarlo esposito who's amazing and it, it yes. just even in just rolling up for one scene just being like hey i'm gonna do this one scene we're gonna get out hi um, i'm Wesley snipes by the way too oh yes oh yes yeah yeah he, oh, he yes. comes I in and he's like wendy williams yeah um, <laughs> um but the famous the the famous scene where yeah. angela bassett tears all her husband's clothes out, burns all his stuff, sets a car on fire. Amazing thing about that, all the dialogue, improv. improvised. Improv. Take that, yeah. Christopher Guest, okay? Yeah, white woman's probably the only one who will tolerate your smug ass. Yeah, if I was your white woman for 11 years, couldn't started that damn company without me. Hell, I worked my ass off. I mean, I got a master's degree in business, and there I was his secretary, his office manager, and his computer. But the worst, all the fucking worst, making my kids go to a suit with only two other black children because you don't want them to be improperly influenced. Well, guess what, John? You're the motherfucking improper influence. Get your shit, get your shit, and get out. Christopher Guest could never. Could never. He's he's but, quaking. He's shaking. It's funny. I mean, it's a movie about four separate women who are doing four separate things. Like, it's yeah. not one of those, like, and we all came together to do the thing. Right. And like, I think that's, and I, maybe I think that's the, you know, my brain was like, oh, this is like, you know, First Wives Club. No. Yeah. No. These no, are literally they're, just they're like. just four separate lives. Yeah. Four girlfriends who are going through it and, you know. They like once in a while talk about, you know, ooh, girl, you better like whatever. And they're just girlfriends, but like never does Whitney Houston like come and save one from whatever, an abusive husband or anything like that. Like, no, these are adult women who are going to handle their own shit. But oh, yeah, they're all leading their own lives. Bless Forrest Whitaker for literally being like, you're going to throw the lighter and then turn around and then it's going to go up in flames. That's the fucking (laughs) shot. And she said, honey, it sure the fuck is. You know what really gives me life in all of that, though, is when she, when the fucking fireman shows up and he's, he's like sassing her, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like other good thing when your neighbors call the fire department, they care about the neighborhood. And she's yeah. just like, it won't happen again. And closes yeah. the door on him. I'm just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, she is the most flase da. Okay, yeah, like, absolutely. It's so good. In 97, she starred as the president's advisor in Contact. Contact is a movie I love, but this role is a nothing role. She's good in it, but it's just like, really, Angela, for this? Yeah. Um, In 98, another huge prestigious moment. <laughs> Angela Bassett's voice from the movie Strange Days is sampled on the Fatboy Slim song, Right Here, Right Now. Really? Right here, right now. So that like right here right now that's our girl <laughs> angela wow. bassett wow um i'm gonna listen to that like later <laughs> also in 98 she stars in i think which is another career defining role how stella got her groove back 
Yeah. Uh, did you happen to revisit this? You meant actually, you just mentioned you re- revisited. I revisited. We watched it for. I mean, Whoopi Whoopi's, Whoopi's in it. Regina's in it. Um, all the all the gals. They're here. All the gals. Um, it's fine. Yeah, it's another I, one that I do. I I like totally get why it's iconic, and she's amazing in it. Regina's great in it. Whoopi is great in it. Whoopi, like, Whoopi is very good in it. Yeah, she's my favorite part of the film. Oh, wait a minute, girl. Huh? I want you to wave to Jack and Buddy. I am not waving the men I don't know. You will. Now, they from Chicago by where L.A. They got three Super Bowl rings between them. I get Jack and you get Buddy. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, yes, I did. I did not come all the way down here to turn into a slut. I did. A big old whole slut if I can. Look, all I want to do is run, read, relax, and roll over. Oh, Lord, and I pick up old softball players. What was your last wide receiver? <laughs> okay. Okay. Come on. On three, your least favorite part of this film. One, two, three. Tay Diggs. Oh, he tries. Yeah. He tries. Yeah, he was doing stuff. Uh, but we've talked about this film before, and if you want to listen to us talk about that film, I would suggest the Whoopi Goldberg episode. All I uh, will say is that I like seeing her hanging with the gals. I just yes. like it. She's so easy breezy with Regina. She's so easy breezy with Whoopi. It's just like nice. I'm. It, this is. Yeah. I, it feels so natural, and I like it. Um, in 99, she re-teams with Wes Craven from Vampire in Brooklyn to do the movie Music of the Heart with Meryl Streep. Oh, my God. I remember being obsessed with this movie when I was in, like, late middle school. Um, and because I, pl- I, w- I was starting to play the violin and our violin teacher, like, took us all to go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. Oh, and also NSYNC has, like, the the titular song. They do. Yes. With Gloria. Every, every- I'm sure Angela Bassett's favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2000, Bassett turns down the lead role in Monsters Ball because she's like, I don't like the sexual content of the script. Wow. Is it a mistake? Was... No, I don't think so. But Halle, Halle Berry does win her Academy Award for Best Halle's Actress. Revenge. She said, oh, you got Tina. I'm going to do yeah. Monsters Ball. Exactly. Um, instead, but... she appears in the film Supernova. Supernova, which, you know what? I'm not mad at, but what oh, I am... It's such a mess. What I am mad at is that, like, James Spader looked like that once. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he was very handsome. It's so funny. One of my most favorite dated jokes from the pilot of Buffy is Cordelia quizzing Buffy about all the cool, like, to make sure she's cool. And at one point, she's like, James Spader. And Buffy goes, he needs to call me. And... <laughs> And when I look at that now, I'm like, does he? Do you want that? And then I see Call. him and I'm like, oh, I get oh. it. In the 90s, yeah. he was he was fine. Yeah. Um, I feel like this movie is, um, there probably was like a lot of emotional stuff in there, but that got like just wiped away from like studio stuff. Oh yeah, the, the, the movie was taken away from Walter Hill and it was re-edited by Francis Ford Coppola, which is insane to me. That's um, insane. And, I'm like... It, yeah, my, I just was doing math in my head. Like, what does that mean? Why is the movie? <laughs> why is the movie the way it is? There's a scene where she has anti gravity sex with James Spader. Do you want to know something crazy about that scene? It's like a quick flyby of the ship. Oh, uh, I was like, um, did, I, I remember a lot of anti gravity sex. I don't remember her doing it, but well, here's the here's the tea on that. Okay. Um, 
because it was decided in edit by Francis Ford Coppola that they should have more of a connection with each other, James Spader and Angela Bassett, that scene was added. But they didn't shoot it. Instead, there was an anti-gravity space sex scene with Lou Diamond Phillips and Robin Tunney. Uh And they digitally made Robin Tunney black. What the fuck? That's insane. Yeah. They could do that in 2000? (laughs) Yeah. It's the future, baby. Uh, Um, I need to stop that. (laughs) You know what? I I like it. Baby. Um... (laughs) The the most like kind of like oh my god part of that movie is the very end when like they have to get in the same transfer pod and then they make it back to Earth or whatever and it's like you've swapped two percent DNA and like they open their eyes and like they each have like an eye color from each other I was like yeah. oh are they in love do they have each other's <laughs> eyes now <laughs> God um so also in two thousand she does this small adaptation of. Uh, Bozeman and Lena, which mm-hmm. is a Fugard play. Uh, it's turned into a film by John Barry. John Barry, who brought, who was the original director of the Broadway version in 1970, starring James Earl Jones and Ruby D. It was John Barry's last film. He unfortunately died during post production. Uh, did you get a chance to watch Bozeman and Lena? Yeah, I I liked it a lot. It's very good. <laughs> Okay, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like, I couldn't. I couldn't tell which way you were going. The it's. I'm surprised we didn't talk about it for Danny Glover. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm shocked we didn't talk about it either. I had sort of it. I'd sort of missed it. Um, for that, I, I loved both of them in that movie. I also think it's it's really interesting. I've never read the play. I've never seen the play. Um, it's almost like, I mean. It it should it should be done alongside Waiting for Godot, I think, in terms of the annals of, of play history, because it's like Waiting for Godot, but it's also about apartheid. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's I don't know, it's such a small film. And I actually really love the way it was shot. A lot of the reviews were like, oh, it's basically just a filmed play. I disagree. I disagree. I, yeah, I, I think it's really well done. And I also don't think you get to see Angela Bassett do a lot of the things that she's doing in this film very often. She's homeless. She's kind of, she does this thing with her body where she really pulls it in. She also has these mercurial mood swings in the film. Um, and it, it's like a, it's a big performance that's been drawn really far down for filmmaking. Hey, you know what I was thinking just now? Flaky condensed milk. Ah, sugar's not enough, man. What do you say? If we get lots of prawns, I want some real sweetness. Then you can be as big a bugger as you like. Taste of condensed milk makes our life sweet. Bosman is a bushman. He's all dark meat. Hey, look at this. Lena still got of us trapping her own legs. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of shocking seeing both her and um, Danny Glover, who are these radiant stars, brought down to this level, and they are inhabiting these roles. Um, yeah, it's incredible. It's a it's a great movie. In two thousand one, she does the score, in which she plays Robert De Niro's girlfriend. <laughs> Never seen it. Never will. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Uh, she also does uh, Ruby's Bucket of Blood, which is a television film. Uh, I did for... see that. Yeah. 
it's I think we're going to talk about our television. Well, let's talk about our television work, okay? Um, I have before said many times on this show, especially being quote unquote in the business, I understand how television films are made. They are made quick. They're made cheap. They do not have the budget that a lot of other people have. Um, because of this, sometimes not all the acting is up to snuff. Sometimes they've only got, they, they, they have a real economy of shots that they have to accomplish during a day. So they can only do a certain number of takes. Um, I think it's really unfortunate that a lot of the TV work, not all of the TV work, I don't want to say all the TV work, but a lot of the TV work that's been past Angela Bassett's way are what I consider really subpar. Because mm -hmm. I think something like Ruby's Bucket of Blood on the surface is a good idea. It's, you know, it's a woman who owns a bar in Louisiana. Um, she's very well aware of her status in life, that even though she is a popular fixture of the community, she knows that can all change in a moment because she is black and she lives in constant fear of the white man as she should from the, from everything that the movie points out. However, the movie decides to populate itself with basically almost a completely uninteresting cast, except for her daughter, who is, you know, Journey Smollett, which yep. once again, you know, I'd just seen Birds of Prey. So I was like, whoa, child, Journey Smollett. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell is her husband, who has like two scenes, maybe. Everybody else is super flat. And, and it all feels like, outside of her story, topic of the week. It's it's like, there's a gay character. There's, it's it's just... It's one of those things where it's like if this script could have gone through like two more drafts, this movie would be really interesting. But it's not. It just wasn't. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about it, uh, this, but. um, Yeah, I don't know. As I was watching it, I was like, oh, good. We're talking about like a nice white person who's going to like help this black lady. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, and like the story isn't like him giving her like proper, you know, um, economic help or anything it's literally like let me love you i can be the one to take care of you and i'm gonna like cheat on my mentally unwell wife and while we're doing it yeah so it's like mm. and and so like I, on the other side of the coin of this she also does the rosa park story in 2002 and once again it's a tv movie it's an economy of shots it's not all great not all the actors are up to Angela Bassett's level, but you know, it is directed by Julie Dash, who is an icon. Cicely Tyson is in this movie. And I ended up really liking the Rosa Parks story. It's very straightforward, but I think Julie Dash does some really creative things with the filmmaking in so much that she can with the budget that they have. And I don't know. And I thought. Angela Bassett's performance as Rosa Parks was really interesting because it's another role where Rosa Parks was an incredibly strong-willed person, but she doesn't present that way. Right. Angela Bassett presents strong. Yes. From the, yeah. She has an aura about her that just radiates and she brought it all in for this mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. And yet for those scenes where she really has to let it go. She absolutely does. And I don't know. I thought I thought this was a, a killer performance in a movie that aired on CBS. You 
could not really believe that they asked me to do this? My wife was in jail. I did not ask to be arrested, Parks. All I wanted was what everybody else on that bus wanted, to go home. And I do not need Nixon, the NAACP, or anybody else to tell me that I have a right to my dignity when I'm taking that 10 cent ride. She's not somebody who's afraid of television at all, no. or what it's no. going to do to her career. Um, as you mentioned before, she's a working actor. 2004, she does Mr. 3000 with Bernie Mac. She does Akila and the Bee in 2006, which is cute. I like yeah. it. Yeah, and it reteams her with um, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, for multiple times. I mean, well, B- Boys in the Hood, What's Love Got to Do With It, Akila and the Bee. In 2008, I think we should quickly mention, she does Meet the Browns, which <clears throat> was a was at first a stage show, then became a movie. Yeah. Um, it was Tyler Perry's second film after Diary of a Mad Black Woman. And he really sort of takes the opportunity to really, from the bottom up, re- rewrite his play um, and and basically create a whole new scenario for this new character. Right. Because, I mean, Medea is in this movie maybe for five minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and so I it's really where it was, a, was one of those Medea films until like I knew she was mentioned. Right. But... It's in the expanded Medea universe. <laughs> also, in 2008, she takes a role in the final season of ER. She plays Dr. Catherine Banfield, who is the exacting chief of the ER, um, who has, like, a secret. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, Courtney B. Vance got to be her husband on that show. Oh. 2009, she plays Voletta Wallace in Notorious. Uh, she's the mother of the Notorious B.I.G. Um, she says she worked on her uh jamaican accent by using tapes that wallace made i saw this movie i don't remember a strong i did not watch this movie so i have no comment <laughs> okay she's good in it okay good but, no, but um... perhaps no jamaican accent <laughs> yeah i mean she's got something she's doing something i've been talking to mark about becoming my manager good and if you asking me to hold you equally responsible, Mark, believe me, I will. Yes, ma'am. I need to have a word with Chris. Yes, ma'am. In 2011, she does a role in the movie Green Lantern, moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, also in 2011, she does the movie Jumping the Broom, where she plays the matriarch of a wealthy family, as uh, opposed to... Loretta Devine, who plays the matriarch of a not so well off family, and their children are marrying each other, and chaos ensues when the wedding gets yeah. together. She goes on to play Coretta Scott King in the TV movie Betty and Coretta in 2013, uh, opposite Mary, Mary J. J. Blige, <laughs> who plays Dr. Betty Shabazz. Interestingly enough, uh, and I didn't mention this earlier, Angela Bassett plays Dr. Betty Shabazz a second time a year after Malcolm X in mario van peebles film panther it's a very small role what would you tell young brothers and sisters to do in following brother malcolm's footsteps well i would say that malcolm lives in each of us and that we must all work together for the community like those brothers out there are doing but it was interesting to to see her reverse course and take the role of Credit scott king in yeah. this uh I mean, I mean, it's movie. even it's even more like 
it's interesting seeing her take Curtis Scott King, but like it's also just shows like the the ocean between her and Mary J. Blige and their yeah. acting abilities because Mary J. Blige is no um Angela Bassett. Like no. the performances are just no. night and day. It's it's and and I, I you know, I love Mudbound, you know, I get yeah, it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But um also the movie's just not good. Yeah, yeah. I don't ever want to tell Mary J. Blige it's not very good though, because right, I know no. how she feels about drama. She hates it. She hates yeah, it. She doesn't want it. No more of it. <laughs> no more. So I heard you're planning to speak before Congress about Martin's holiday. Well, I have to do something. They keep shooting it down. <laughs> and have ever since it was first introduced 18 years ago. You don't want to give it to a black man. It's like Malcolm said, sitting at the table don't make you a diner. Oh. <laughs> unless you eat some of what's on the plate, you know? <laughs> Well, I hope he was wrong about that. <laughs> in 2013, she does Olympus Has Fallen. Um, and the funny thing about that is, I, you know, she took this role because she plays the head of the Secret Service. And there has never been a female head of the Secret Service in reality, let alone a woman of color. So she was just <laughs> like, OK, well, we'll we'll do this. And uh, she also stars in Black Nativity in 2013 for director Cassie Lemons. We talked about Black Nativity in our Holiday Musicals episode. It is not good. Yeah, neither of us were fans. But one positive is it is the only time to date uh, Angela Bassett's real voice has been heard on screen in terms of singing. Mm. Because even Ruby's Bucket of Blood, where she had a bunch of songs, it was yes. done by another actor. Oh, yeah. Uh, in in 2013, she starts her collaboration with Ryan Murphy, um, playing Marie, Marie Laveau in American Horror Story. She gets Emmy noms out the wazoo for these. Um, she also got Emmy nominated for Rosa Parks. I don't think I mentioned that before. Um, and this starts sort of a, a long collaboration with Ryan Murphy. I personally don't know what she sees in his work. But, but if there is a really good season of... American Horror Story, it is Coven, and her performance, as well as Kathy Bates's performance, are like, Mwah, chef's kiss. So I am not a horror story gay, so I cannot uh, comment. It's bad. I mean, that, that was my last season, because I had this friend at work who kept being like, no, it's good this year. And every time it was not good. <laughs> you felt that um, way. <laughs> the, uh, in 2014, she made her directorial debut with the TV film Whitney Awesome for a Lifetime. Uh, as a film about Whitney Houston. Um, once again, it's on a budget. She's a budget queen. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing was watching that montage of her. Well, I will I will say this. They got the music, which is I, more I, than I you mean, can say for a lot of them. Well, it feels particularly um, useful, I would say. Yeah. Uh, well, because, I mean, any time that they perform one of the songs, they perform the full song for an hour and a half <laughs> film. Um, but but uh, uh, there's a montage in the movie set to I'm Every Woman that's supposed to be different touring dates. And it's very clear that they're just changing the color of the lights. Also, oh. I'm pretty sure Whitney Houston never played a stage that small, especially not at that point in her career. So, wow. Read them, drag them. But, but I will say the problem is not the direction. There's just not a great film. Right. And it also felt in my opinion and angela was friends with them and she was close to them it felt very bobby brown sided and i was Ugh. like that's a weird tactic to take um 
but yeah, I I was happy that that movie got made by a a friend of Whitney Houston's, by right. somebody that knew her. And... Right. When you have a love and a passion, hers for singing, and then you're so so blessed by your gifts and your talents, and you have the opportunity to play that out on the world stage, and all all that comes at you because you're doing what you love and then how it can get you sidetracked. It's just a, it's just a, a you know, a cautionary tale for everyone. In 2015, she does the movie Chirac for Spike Lee, her big return to Spike Lee. Yes. And th- I think this was one of the first movies that Amazon produced. Um, it was produced. the first oh. movie that Amazon produced. And I will say, I think, I don't know if the film would have been made without Amazon. Mm. But I think had it been released to theaters, it would be more popular because I I think it's a very artistic film and it's a very interesting film, uh, but it's done in such a very specific style that I think mm, that probably scared away some movie studios. And right. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so it's first of all, it's Lysistrata and it's but it's complete. And so. It is a story about gang violence in Chicago. Um, and but you know, Lysistrata is on top of that. Um, but a lot of it is spoken in a verse, in new verse. Yeah. Um, it's very satirical, it's very funny, but also in the end, it's kind of a gut punch. The lead actor in this movie is Nick Cannon, which is, you know, a thing, I guess. Um, it's Weird. I think I read that Kanye West was originally supposed to star in this movie. Um, Correct. Could not make it because he's Kanye West and is the ultimate flake. Um, but, but you know, I I, I can't fault. I guess Nick Cannon's decent in the movie. He at the end, it's it's yeah. I was I was surprised when I first saw him. I was like, oh no. But yeah, I ended up like yeah. him. Oh man, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, Angela's role isn't that large in it. No. But I, but, but she's I got think, some great scenes. Great scenes. Um, the scene when the guy comes up to sell her insurance. Oh, fucking killer. Um, the true like joy of this movie, though, is seeing all the young women. Um, yeah. They, it's it's fun. And and it's on Amazon Prime, ladies and gentlemen. So yep. get thine self to your computer and watch it. It's it's worth it's worth every second of the I don't I really don't have a negative thing to say about that movie. In 2016. Angela Bassett does London Has Fallen. It's the first and only time she's ever appeared in a sequel. Mm-hmm. Well, the... wait. She's in she's in Black Panther and Avengers Endgame. Does that count? Eh, I mean, that's a cinematic universe. I'll I'll count it. I'll take it. Jury? Okay. Jury says okay. Okay, okay. You got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I guess um, coming... I mean, which brings up Black Panther, which comes out in 2018. Um, absolutely. And it's huge. Great in it. So good. Yes. But Angela Bassett should have been Storm years ago. Years ago. <laughs> okay, Since Gavin. the year 2000, Angela get Bassett off, should have been Storm. <laughs> she should have been like, Hallie, you can take your Oscar. You can shove yeah. it where the sun don't shine. Wow. Because I'm fucking Storm. Gavin has some feelings about Storm. Gavin uh, wants... And all of them are Angela Bassett. <laughs> Gavin wants Angela Bassett and Halle Berry to fight. Uh, I do. Uh, you know, I mean, clearly they have a history. Clearly, <laughs> Halle Berry is still pressed about not being Tina Turner. Yeah, uh, I'm um, not trying to pit women against women. I just, she would have been an amazing Storm. She it's would. Like she was born to play that character. She's born to play Storm. Yeah, 
the white hair proves it as Queen Ramunda. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe it's a nod. Maybe she was just like, bitch, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, when they announced that cast, I was like, yes, that's correct. There is no one else. <laughs> I call upon the ancestors. I call upon Vast. I'm here with my son, T'Challa. Heal him. Since 2018, she's also starred on the Fox TV show, 911. She's also a producer on that show. And oh. I can kind of, I, I totally get, you know, Ryan Murphy, I guess, brought it to her. And I, I'm sure the producer was to sweeten the, sweeten the pot. But I like this idea that she's also very much in control of her own career now because she's doing this thing that she has, you know, a stake in. Right. And I think she said, you know, she has two young, not young kids, but she has kids. And she's like, listen, if I can do stuff in L.A. and, you know, be at home and be, you know, a mom um, and raise my kids like I'm going to do it. And I mean, she's literally 60 years old. And I don't know how old this character is. she's supposed to be in, in this show, but like a 60-year-old EM it's about EMTs, right? Or I don't know what the fuck the show's yeah. about. She I think she I'm not gonna watch it, sorry. No. But, uh, I think she like runs the call center. I'm not positive. Someone tell us what 911's about. Yeah, please. Uh but also don't expect me to watch it. <laughs> I think I resisted that, you yeah. know, the idea of of doing a show that may go seven years or more or whatever, you know what I mean? Because just the nature of, you know, of this business of being an actress, I love how, you know, that you get to change and grow and put on, you know, different characters and ideas and suits and interact with different people and directors and actors and situations and locations, yeah. you know, so the idea of staying put, you know, isn't one that I've, you know, embraced, Mm -hmm. I guess. But, um, you know, as you, you know, mature and have kids, mature and try to find roles that are interesting and situations that are interesting. And this was one. Just some quick tidbits about her personal life. We mentioned before she's married to Courtney B. Vance. They got married in 1997. Uh, They've done some theater work together. They did a production of His Girl Friday, which I kind of wish I could have seen but it was in minneapolis weirdly enough Whoa. um they have twins slater josiah vance which is her son and bronwyn golden vance mm. golden after her aunt oh my oh, god i love that so much I love that so much which is her daughter uh they were carried by a surrogate in 2006 well that's so much yeah, absolutely. Um, supporter of the arts, especially for youth. She annually attends events for children with diabetes and those in foster homes. She's a big proponent of of diabetes health. Her mother passed away due to complications from diabetes. Her uncle mm. has it. So she she is very big on supporting that charity. Um, she's a huge Democrat, always giving money to liberal causes. Um, you know, she went to the 2016 Democratic National Convention with the survivors of the Charleston Church shooting. So, like, oh, God. we know where her heart is, obviously. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, um, but, yeah, and that's and that's sort of, yeah, as you mentioned, she can kind of do anything. I, I, lo- I, I loved doing this episode. So, like, I don't know, being doing the history of this and, and finding out more about her and finding out that she's this tough person. She she mentioned once in an interview with The Guardian um, 
specifically about the role she plays. She said, quote, this is a career about images. It's celluloid. They last forever. I'm a black woman from America. My people were slaves in America. And even though we're free on paper and in law, I'm not going to allow you to enslave me on film and celluloid for all to see. And across the water to countries where people will never meet people who look like me. So it becomes bigger than me just becoming a movie star and me just being on TV. Yeah. I mean, and she's, and she's right because I think most African-American, um, you know, people would say she is kind of like America's auntie, you know, like everyone looks up to her. She is this like pillar in the community. Um, and because of what she represents, you know, she's played all these characters that mean so much of both fictional and non-fictional. Um, so she, I mean, congratulations, Angela Bassett. It worked. Your career is a success. <laughs> you did yeah, it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so why don't we move into our picks and let's start with our one star review. So my one star review goes to crazily enough, 2019's Otherhood. <laughs> Um, oh, we didn't even mention it. No, we but, sure the uh, fuck did not. Um, but, but go on, go on. You know what? She's been in a lot of bad movies, but like you said, she's always like elevated, or she's not. She's not bad in them, you know. Um, like we really didn't like Black Nativity. Um, you know, I don't know how you felt about Meet the Browns or Jump the Broom, but like they're not great. Uh, but She's always a standout. Um, in Otherhood, Otherhood is a ni- 2019 um, Netflix film, um, and it stars Angela Bassett, Patricia Arquette, and Felicity Huffman, and they're like just like moms in the burbs, and their kids have moved to the New York City, and one year her their their mean sons forget them on Mother's Day, or maybe don't even forget. I feel like one of them texts. And she's mad that whatever they feel slighted on Mother's Day. And so they like get a little bit drunk and come to New York to surprise their kids because I don't know. They want to be remembered and be part of their lives or something like that. Um, It the movie should be like light and fun. It should be like easy breezy, but it's not. And you can really see Angela Bassett doing her best to try and like make this nothing of a character and script into something, but it just isn't there. You know, I, I tried to think like, where were the times that I thought she looked uncomfortable or that she really just wasn't shining as bright as she always is. And literally like, this is the only movie I can think of. It's just like her having to be like, Oh, I don't know. Everything's fine. But it's not, I mean, and also the thing of like, they do a makeover for her. And I was like, in what fucking world are you giving Angela Bassett a makeover? She looks hot at the beginning of this movie. She looks hot <laughs> at the end of it. The whole thing yeah. of like, she, she they, has they, to. They try and play it off like she has, she has really bad hair, but like. No, she doesn't. We knew, we knew it was a wig. Oh, yeah. no, it was a wig. But also like, there, she's like, oh, I don't go out. I don't go to the clubs. I don't dance. It's like, ma'am. Yeah, you know what you look like in this dress. Like you're not fooling anybody. I mean, the movie is just a Trisha. She's trying too hard, and I, and no, just no. So what do you do, Angel? 
I'm still in school. Oh, did Matt tell you that he went to Dartmouth? No, that's amazing. Um, I might take a year off to travel before college. Maybe go to Europe? <coughs> so you're uh, still in high school. You were in a bar. I'm 18. You know, look at... Next month. <laughs> 17. You never said that you were 17. You've been dating for four months. You don't know how old she is. Mom, you forced me to lie. You make it sound like I can't be in a long-term relationship. I can't force you to do anything. Look, I just met her tonight, okay, Mom? She was with friends drinking and I paid the bill. I didn't come home with you because you paid the bill. He asked me to model for his magazine. Oh! Because you said that you were a model. I am. I used to model children's clothing. Oh? When was that? Last year. You know, for everything I've said about TV movies, it's frustrating that Netflix wants to pretend that occasionally they're, you know, they're willing to give money to certain things. But this film, which admittedly the script needed a lot of work, but this film that was directed by a woman, produced majorly by women, they they like threw five dollars at. Yeah. And, and so the, the it like looks like a sitcom. The movie, everything about it looked like a sitcom. Two things I will say. One. The only reason to watch that movie is to watch Angela Bassett eat that pizza at Two Boots. Mm -hmm. Genuinely the best thing in the entire film. And two, Angela Bassett and Patricia Arquette were producers on the movie. Um, and uh, Felicity Huffman was added later um, as an actor, not as a producer. Uh, and then the scandal, the college scandal hit like yes. a week before Otherhood came out. And I just, can you imagine how much they hate her? Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine how much they fucking hate and they, was the Elfman now? And and the press tour was very aggressive. Like Angela was out like promoting this movie. And of course, all everyone wanted to talk about was Felicity Huffman. And she had to be so, so polite and just be like, Yeah. She took responsibility for what she did. And um I disrespect <laughs> that. Where really it's just cutting to her at like the holding rooms, just like smashing pictures. Right. Like. But I, I think that Felicity Huffman's character is the most interesting of the movie actually though because she's you know in denial but also is like this hoity-toity and she's and her son is gay who in this movie he's wearing this fucking crazy wig i don't like it i don't know this actor's yeah. name but they put him in a ponytail and i'm like jake lacy i believe yes yes yeah. who's very handsome so cute like him in a lot of things why did they give him a ponytail what for don't know. don't know um yeah the movie's bad this is bad it's really bad um, so I'm going to go back a, a little bit further, not too much further. And I do want to preface this by saying, like, I think you hit the nail on the head. This movie was not made for me at all, but I'm going to go with Tyler Perry's Meet the Browns. I, I, we've talked about Tyler Perry a bunch, uh, but I, I don't want to say too much about like, speaking of sitcoms, this movie feels like a sitcom and, and it's very telling that eventually, that these characters went on to star in their own sitcom and it's very broad, yeah. but it also feels tonally like two different films. Um, Angela Bassett plays Brenda Brown Davis. She's a struggling mother. Uh, she finds out her father has died in Georgia and she receives uh, a ticket to go to the funeral. She goes to the funeral and finds out that she's part of this crazy family and they're, they're very religious and kind of old school and, and they're, they're zany and they're wacky and all sorts of hijinks. And then she comes back and her son's really great at basketball. And she starts to fall in love with Rick Fox, who wants to be her son's manager and wants to train with her son. And he's just a really good guy. And 
I just, I, a lot of these tropes are, are, they're very, as you've said before, when talking about Tyler Perry, they are, um, morality plays. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't know, because I, what's the best way to put this? It seems that Tyler Perry truly believes that the only reason you should be a good person is because it'll get you into heaven. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's really telling. There's a scene where her son says, like, all you care about is where you go in the afterlife. I care about here and now. And I was like, yeah, I side with her son in this situation because right. I think you should be a good person because other people are people and, and they're living and they're breathing. And I'm not necessarily concerned what's happening once I no longer have control over everything. And admittedly, these are very personal things. And, I, I, but it's, it's, it was frustrating to me to watch Angela Bassett try and play this role that she's, she's a single mother. She's trying to do what's best for her children. But it's not a strong role. She's not a strong character. And it made it made me even more frustrated that at the end, she has to apologize to a man who she like thinks is maybe in it for the money. Rick Fox's character, you know, signs on and she ends up apologizing to him for no reason. And I find in in doing the show, anytime that we do anytime we run into a Tyler Perry film it ends usually there's a woman character who who sort of has to pledge her fealty to a man you know um i can um pay you back now for all you did for us the house the move everything you don't get it do you get what i didn't do all of that so you could pay me back i'm sorry i'm just so used to being Taking advantage of it. Yeah, that you don't even know when somebody loves you. Love me? Yeah. Tell Mike I said congratulations. Hey, what if I told you I love you too, but I just got scared for a second? But I'd rather be scared and with you than not scared and not have you. What, why would I scare you? Because you're everything I've always wanted in a man. Then let me be that for you. It frustrates me because she's too good and too strong for that. And I don't think she played the role particularly well because I think she wants to fucking say that. Yeah. I mean, I think... The- the thing that's fucked up about Tyler Perry's movies, especially the Medea movies, is the most interesting characters are not the good characters. Medea right. is not a good person. She, you know, is fucking shit up all the time, you know? Yeah. There's like a weird police brutality joke scene that I was yeah. just like, oh, I now is not the time or any time, yeah. really. But yeah. And, and so and and you're right. He always is you know moralizing about like oh well if you don't i mean the, the the thing i always say is like if you do coke once or if you're like not praying to jesus you're gonna get aids and die because right he literally does that um yeah i did laugh a couple times i thought the the scene at the table 
when the dad's like revealing like all the hoes. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. And and at that and at the beginning of it, I was like, this isn't funny, no. But then I was like, you know what? All of my girlfriends at TW who are mostly black would think this is the funniest fucking thing. And I was like, oh, this is for them. This is not for me. But so I think and, there are those moments. And and no, and I and I agree with you. And like it's 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 not necessarily a, a film for me, but I I mean they've they've since um sort of let bygones be got bygones, but I, I really do kind of side with Spike Lee about Tyler Perry's films where I just I Did don't... they have beef? Oh, they've had beef for over a decade. Um wow. And and I I do I just I I I sometimes think I don't know. No, I, you're right. You're completely I, right. And like the thing yeah. about his movies, that they are such like fucking emotional tonal roller coasters because he wants to have like zany weird fucking comedy that's like physical and like slapstick. But then like in the next moment, he wants to talk about like, well, I did have a gambling problem and I am I lost everything. Like and he wants to get like really you know um, crazy emotional and I don't he just doesn't have the skill really to like yeah. do that type of storytelling and so there is like this whiplash of you know and I I was very and I, now I just remembered I was very worried that because I think Tyler Perry can be very cruel to his characters yes. and in this movie like the kid decides I'm not going to be a gangbanger take the drugs back I don't want them and then like you know a ruckus erupts and there's guns and I was like, they're going to kill this child. They're going to kill yeah. him because that's what Tyler Perry does. But no, he fucking one upped himself and they shot the kid and then he survived just because. And they're like, you're very lucky that... It, and like, they make it the most he, aggressive. He, he survives just because has one day of physical therapy and he's yes. back to playing basketball. Yes. Insane. The Insane. Most, the most Tyler Perry thing ever. He's like, I yeah. could kill him or... I could just make it literally for nothing. Why did you shoot him in the first place? Right. And and like I think it demeans a little bit victims of gun violence as well. Because it's it's not just like oh you recover and you're fine. There's trauma, there's physical trauma, there's mental trauma, there's recovery. I don't know. I yeah. I I was very nonplussed by Meet the Browns. But... You you were negative plussed. Yeah. Um, there were, there were other things, other films of hers that I didn't love. I, I didn't love Jumping the Broom. Not that it's that bad. It's definitely not a one-star review, but I, I think it's a weird tactic for your film to be like, not only are the rich bad, but the poor are bad too. I was like, everybody's bad in this movie. (laughs) I know you didn't even make it all the way through Green Lantern. No. Um, Olympus Has Fallen is trash, but nowhere near the level of trash of London Has Fallen. <laughs> and I know why she doesn't do sequels. And like, that is a prime example. Like, London Has Fallen is jingoistic, rah rah America nonsense. And it was so bad. The director of Olympus Has Fallen, Anton Fuqua, read the script and was like, I don't like this. No, thank and you that's so why much. It makes- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, Mr. 3000 also not a not a terrible movie but I will say is part of the problem with her because like on paper great character she's a female reporter for ESPN she's totally like a sex positive character she's down to get a little freaky and everything and 
nope. She's totally just willing to give it all up for a man. Just really, just waiting for the right guy to settle down with. And, yeah. And she's like, guys, come on. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's also like very prevalent in jumping the broom. Like the whole thing. She's like, yeah, I made him wait to get with me, and maybe you would have some uh, luck too if you wouldn't just like sleep with whoever you want. I'm like, why do they have to like make a plot point of like people being like chased to make it yeah. good? Like, it's so right. fucking insane. Like. No one is judging you. And the reason why maybe you don't have, like, lasting relationships isn't because you had, like, sex before you got married. That's not the thing, okay? Like, there's a difference difference between, like, being emotionally mature and, like, sexually mature. Like, fuck whoever you want. Who cares? Doesn't make you, like, stupid. So, Kevin, why don't we get into our five-star reviews? She has a lot of iconic roles, iconic movies. Um... But you know what? When I saw this movie, I was like, there can be nothing else. It is 2000's Bozeman and Lena. Um, she's a fucking like supernova. That's another 2000 movie she made. Um, <laughs> reference. But that that's but that's closer to a one star review. <laughs> that's a closer. I'd give it like a. I would give it like a two. I'd give it a two. Um, <laughs> no, but Bozeman and Lena, I. I was floored. I, I could not believe what I was watching. Bozeman and Lena is a, a Fugard play, and it's considered one of his masterpieces. Um, it's these two homeless South Africans who are, you know, pushed out of their, basically, you know, they have their, it's not a home. It's a, what is it, Gavin? It's a... It's it's like not even a shelter. It's a bunch of pieces of metal. Right. Right. And, and, against each other. Right. And because and it gets torn down and they're just going back to the, the mudflats and they the whole play takes place one day and one night. And it's just these this couple who are fighting, arguing, revealing um, things about themselves, um, their relationship. Danny Glover and Angela Bassett are stunning in this, but she far and away is the shining son of this movie um her performance is raw it's joyful it's like it it feels like she's like i don't know there's this like want this need inside of her she's begging her um i guess their husband and wife they don't say it explicitly but she says this is my man um and they have like these cutscenes to their past and how they got to where they are she's just like begging him to live to like you know the ending is it's just like heartbreaking um she, she I don't, yeah i mean it's like a portrait of people just people trying to survive circumstances and their circumstances are crazy and specific but i think the beauty of this play and their performances is that and, and the master behind like this 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 masterpiece like the reason why it works so well is because you can relate it to anything, you know? She says, I, I'm I'm paraphrasing and trying to remember the line. She says, don't let the bruises um, hold the rope for you. And, you know, and she's say, saying, like, you still have lots to live for. She says at the end, she's like, I'm still here. I'm still living. And it's it's a gut punch of a movie. And um, it's on YouTube. <laughs> so, yeah, somebody has uploaded it to YouTube. That's exactly how I saw it too. <laughs> it's um, it's it's I, I I really can't speak enough. She she hasn't done nothing like this before, and also this is another reason why I was like, 
man, if there were more roles, opportunities for her to do this, holy fuck. And, and this is a movie that completely was not seen, like yeah. overlooked. Um, it's Like I said, a lot of the critics were really shitty about it. I and think I think they're wrong. The only I'll thing be perfectly honest. A.O. Scott wrote in the New York Times when it came out, um, Miss Bassett stokes Lena's pain to such white heat that the screen fairly burns. And he's fucking right. She's like, unf- and she's laughing. She's crying. She's this pained mother, this wounded figure, but she's so defiant, defiant in the face of a hard life. That's the best way I can say it. Sam, take everything. I want bugger all. Hey, what's your big word? Freedom. Tonight is freedom for Lena. White man gave you yours this morning, but you lost it. Must I tell you how? When you put all that on your back, there wasn't room for it as well. You should have thrown it on the bonfire and be with it. You should have walked away naked. That's what I'm going to be. Naked. The noise I make is going to be new. Maybe I'll cry or laugh. I want to laugh as well. I feel right. <laughs> Get ready, bossman. When you walk, I'm going to laugh. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I think it's such a, a joy that we have that film because uh, nothing comes close, I think, to where this movie stands in her filmography i would say one film comes close i'm actually first of all i I just want to say i'm really happy and proud that you picked that because gavin that's so fucking shady how dare you (laughs) i'm like so proud that you chose this movie proud oh my little baby you thought i was was gonna pick music of the heart didn't you yeah i did i did um (laughs) i thought you were gonna pick jumping the broom loved it so much (laughs) um but uh, what, is, what is your pick, Gavin? My pick is uh, with with a strong with a strong agree for Bozeman and Lena. But uh, 1993's What's Love Got to Do With It? I genuinely I can't begrudge the Oscars for giving the Academy Award to Holly Hunter for the piano. It's a complicated role. It's not easy to do. I think she's amazing in that movie. But. If we cannot get Angela Bassett, the Academy Award, for what's love got to do with it, what does she have to do to earn one? Because I genuinely think it is a it is a full physical performance. As you said, she is singing. She's getting the shit beat out of her. She's having to do complicated emotional moments. And yeah, there's some kind of lifetimey movie stuff i mean i really don't need that extra scene where ike comes to her dressing room at the end of the movie in fact i almost wish that was like a fantasy sequence but i think she is so good and so powerful at at tracing anna may tina turner's real name Mm -hmm. from from her roots you know from the time she's in st louis to till the till her big comeback in the in the 80s i i think it's a fascinating look i will say the the movie maybe has a bit of a structural problem it moves at lightning speed and yeah you never really understand um well so it's as a it's the story of tina turner i guess we should mention that and her her <laughs> love and career with ike turner who is her husband as well as bandmate who like kind of molds her at first but then becomes incredibly abusive and they have this really 
awful relationship where he is both physically and sexually abusive and she eventually has to leave him and strike out on her own. I will say the movie doesn't do a great job of explaining that how their popularity like ebbs and flows and it just kind of seems like at some points they're hot, some points they're not. Right. And do, it do, doesn't really fill you into when what is what like th- they'll be on TV one moment and the next thing they'll be like we don't have any money. We you know, we're and it's like why? What? What happened? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I really love her performance. Um also, you know, she would have slayed every lip sync ah! on Drag Race because <laughs> like she she is, and it's funny that they are using the original Phil Spector masters uh, for the Tina Turner songs, mm. and and she is just nailing every lip quiver, every every screech, every right. you know. I mean, well, Angela Bassett has that mouth, this like that radiant yeah. smile, those beautiful like full lips, and she's using them to her full like capabilities because she is just like giving you full face pulling like every time she's singing you know when she's shaking her head whipping that wig around and it's just like it's she's she's brilliant absolutely um yeah uh i don't know how much more i have to say about what's love got to do with i don't know I feel like most people have seen it, but if you haven't it's widely available and it's worth checking out uh and yeah. it's not incredibly long either. No, it's for, not and for a movie of its type. I, she has said, you know, that she, um, she said, like, you know, being honored by awards is very nice, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's not about that, and so she's not super pressed that she doesn't have an Oscar, but she fucking should have one. Um, yeah. You know, and she said that she she said that she went and saw Tina, um, the Broadway show. Um, she said she saw it in London and saw it again in New York. And like when she saw Adrian Warren, who plays Tina, um, that they just hugged each other and cried. Um, <laughs> I know. Can you can you imagine the day that Broadway shut down was the day I was supposed to go see Tina on Broadway? I yeah, my heart still goes out to you for that because that's I'm being I personally mean, yeah. affected by this pandemic. Okay personally <laughs> but i mean what luck like oof wow yeah i i like the movie a lot i i think i remember watching it as a kid and being like oh my god ike turner's the scariest person alive um and then yeah. watching and then watching it now most of my attention is like tina turner is the strongest bitch alive um well that's i think that's what's really funny is i i think most of tina turner's complaints in fact she even said the movie portrays her as a, a woman who's a victim of a con man how weak how shallow how dare you think that's was what I was. And I can see like, if you lived it, yes, like that's an upsetting way to, to believe you're being betrayed. But I, I don't think Angela Bassett plays her that way at all. No, I mean, there are the moments when she grabs her kids and she leaves, she tries to leave, you know? And, and I, I just think maybe it's maybe, domestic violence is a very hard thing to like talk about or like cast judgment on, but, you know, she's not weak because this man was brutal to her. You know, like there's nothing weak about surviving a man who is manipulating and, and um, you know, being physically violent against a woman. Um, and in the end, Tina came through it all on the other side. That's I mean, there, the, there are so many moments where, you know, she says she I think she just had her kid and she's like, I'm tired. I can't go up on there. And he's like, he basically threatens her. 
and she goes up and she's like crying as she's it's just her singing before it really gets going and i was like fucking brilliant the scene where she goes into the hotel bloodied and she's like begging the hotel manager i'm i'm tina turner my husband and i just had a fight i'm supposed to open at the academy tonight i have 36 cents on a mobile card but if you would give me a room i swear i will pay you No, 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 that won't be necessary. Now, Miss Turner, I'd, I'd be honored, really. We'll, we'll take care of you. Thank you. Nick, let's get Miss Turner a room. It's, it's, uh, yeah, she's so good. Yeah, I, I, I wish she'd either gotten more roles like that, where she, she could really dig into the character or more recognition something something that that would have changed the path of her career but i'm happy i'm very happy for any what's love got to do with it or bozeman and lena role that we we have gotten from her um i just wish she'd gotten more opportunities to to do that right i mean it kind of stopped i mean it feels like that was 1993 how she must have been in her late 20s early 30s maybe it feels like if any white actress had made that movie, they would have gone on to do like a billion big budget, high profile things. You know, I always Absolutely. I always use the example of like Emma Stone, who I love a lot. But like she is, you know, <laughs> she is not a better actress than Angela Bassett, you know, and, no. and obviously they're coming up in different time periods and like but like actresses like Emma Stone and um jennifer lawrence get to be ingenues whereas angela bassett never got to be an ingenue um, and that's right. just not something that's afforded to black actresses um and so they don't benefit from you know that i, I know nobody can see this but i'm like nodding so hard to everything louis is saying <laughs> you know you're absolutely right she was not afforded that opportunity she you know her very first screen role like in large screen role she's a mom yeah like that's her starting point yeah literally so, i mean in boys in the hood she's immediately cast as this you know senior person in life and so she never gets to play you know these roles like i and and jennifer lawrence gets to play whatever the fuck she wants like young old right. who, like, and and she gets lauded with awards about it and i'm not saying jennifer lawrence is bad i'm just saying it's clear fuck. it's it, just it, clear the the double yeah. standard right for... and it, after literally after what's love got to do with it this oscar nominated performance that should have like catapulted her into the stratosphere of mainstream yeah. she still has to do you know like vampire in brooklyn and, right. and she's like a little blip in contact you know it's it, she should not have to be have been doing those small supporting parts but like i said she and, and I think she feels it. She is a working actress. She's always been working, having to hustle for every part she got. It isn't until now, and probably because, you know, her, I mean, doing Black Panther and stuff like that, it's like that people are like, oh, yeah, she has had this like long career doing lots of things and people know who she is. But like Hollywood is just like fucking stupid, you know? They, right. They don't know what they have in front of them. They don't know what they have had in front of them. 
I 100% agree. Yeah, it's frustrating. But, I mean, she she's made the best of what she could of it. And as you mentioned, she's not pressed that she didn't win these awards. But And, and once again, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like she has spent her entire career not winning awards. She has been nominated 63 times for various awards over her career. She's won 16 awards um, over her career. So, you know... It's it's not like she's hurting for them and the, the acting is not about being rewarded, but it is frustrating that somebody of her caliber is mm-hmm. sort of consistently overlooked. I have told people that we were doing Angela Bassett and for the most part, I get, you know, people seem to know who she is, but I every every now and then they're like, oh, who is she again? So that's I'm, fucking wild. And, yeah. and again, like it's I cannot stress enough, like how important she is to the black community. She's won multiple image awards, uh, multiple black real awards. And like that's that's her family. That's the people who like come out and support her. And you know what? Like, I mean, she's been nominated for a ton of BET awards. It's just the fucking shitty reality that Hollywood is white. Hollywood's so white. And they haven't, you know, been appreciative of this queen we have um before us so yeah take that (laughs) so why don't we get into the fast forward gavin i'm so excited for her future you know why because she has this little movie coming out with michelle yo and i cannot wait gunpowder milkshake where is it where is it (laughs) You know what also excites me about this? Not just those those things, but it is going to be the English language debut of director Navat Papashato. Now, fun fun fact, I was the first American to interview Navat Papashato. I think you're the first he, American to say the words Navat Papashato. <laughs> he's an Israeli filmmaker. He co-directed a film called he's co-directed two films, but the film that I interviewed him for was a film called Big Bad Wolves that he co-directed with Aaron Kashalis. And I was the first American to interview them about their film Big Bad Wolves. Were you the first American to interview him? I was. Were you American? Uh, and the yeah. first. Um <laughs> I am the title of a RuPaul song, American. Wow. Um, but what's great about this film, too, is, you know, it's not just Angela Bassett. It's not just Michelle Yeoh. It's our, also Carla Gugino, Karen Gillan, Lena Headey. Like, it is All strong. The girls. Yeah, All the girls. strong, tough ladies. And they're going to be kicking ass. Uh, the logline of it is, a secret sisterhood comes to the rescue of a mother-daughter assassin team. Mm. Love it so much. I yeah, I am very excited for this movie. It's supposed to come out this year. Once again, no movies are. So no movies are. Who I was knows? Like, in my I was like, where the fuck is that trailer? I need it. Yeah, I need it exactly. now. I watched Scoob the other day because no movies are coming out. <laughs> you watched Scoob? Yeah, I did. How you know you like what? it? I did. No, not really. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, the yeah, I don't know. I I think her. I mean, she's clearly not done. She's on 911 on Fox. She's a producer on that. I think she's also a producer on the spinoff. Oh, the other big thing that she has coming out is she's doing a voice in Pixar's Soul. Oh, my God. Yes. So I, you know, 2020. Not a great year for anyone. 
No. But I think it's going to be, a, a, in terms of the, these films are probably going to come out in 2021, let's be honest. But <laughs> but th- this is a good time for Angela Bassett. As we mentioned, she has kids. They're teenagers. They were both born in 2006. So, like, she's been in time with them. She's raising her family. And I think she's doing it right. I, I can only imagine what having to be quarantined with, with Courtney B. Vance. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't um, know. It's it's what I think her career is now, and the thing is, I she has had such an incredible career. It's still going. I think nine one one is a hit for as much shit as we're talking about it. It's on its second season. I don't know, um, but I think also now is the time when you know there is this groundswell of uh, support and um, activism around recognizing these trailblazers. Uh, as black actors and um, filmmakers in Hollywood, there's a really great piece in the New York Times style magazine. It's called T Magazine. Um, it's called The Veterans. And it's her, her nemesis, Halle Berry. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Taraji P. Henson, Mary J. Blige, Kimberly Elise, um, who we talked about in Beloved. Um, and And it's just about black women as actors going through um, years and years of being in the industry. And I think this is like, and sh- and God, she's right in the middle um, of the photo and it's fully like she's leading the charge. I just love it. I-, I-, I think now she's 61 years old. She is doing whatever the fuck she wants to do. But I also think she is a big part of that is leading um, this new generation of young black actresses behind her um, and and I, I I love it so much. I just think she's the perfect person to do that. She sits atop the pantheon of black actresses in America that are changing, have been changing, unrecognized for years, will continue to keep changing the game um, going forward. And uh, like I said, I mean, she's she's 61 years old and is going to be in this like literal assassin kick ass action movie. So nothing, nothing's going to stop her. Her future is going to be great. And she's still incredibly young. So, I mean, her future is going to be great, but also the future is going to be great for all the young black actors and actresses that come from behind her because of the work she's done. There was a time where I knew every face, you know, I knew every actress. I knew where they're from, who they are, what they've done. And now when I, you know, when I have to Google them or look them up or I'm not aware, I don't know their names, I know that there's some, there has been great change and opportunity made available. Like, I literally have never heard one bad thing about her from anyone. You know, these are women who have had to, you know, compete for scarce roles in the industry, you know, um, and she, and, and I think we, we, we talked about like when Alfre Woodard um and viola davis have talked about this they're like they're a sisterhood of yeah these women who you know go out there and play this fucking shitty hollywood game and now i mean taraji p henson says in this she's like now we're more and more behind the scenes you know we're producing the things that we want to make and you know what yes like i hated otherhood but girl keep fucking doing it like <laughs> because women should be able to fail too and keep going okay yeah, Fucking, absolutely. I'm, I'm done with men failing. Okay, <laughs> I just don't want. I just don't want them anymore. 
Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I agree. So, Gavin, I think that's a good place to wrap her up, huh? So thus ends the tale of Angela Bassett, though she's still got many, many years of making art ahead of her. Uh, but for this show's purposes, we're done. We're donezies. So thank you guys for listening. Gavin, where can people find us? You can find us on Twitter at, at the Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at the underscore mix underscore reviews. And if you want to subscribe to our show, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartMedia, Google Play Music, all the familiar places. And if you're a listener to us on Apple Podcasts, please stop by and leave us a five-star review and a little little note, a little love note in there because it's always nice for people to be able to read what you like about the show. Me and we Gavin, like reading it too. Me and Gavin are romantics. We love love notes. We do. Absolutely. And just keep an eye out on Twitter for our Netflix watch parties, um, our poll that comes out. Um, we have lots of goodies out there in the um, expanded Mixed Reviews universe. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So until two weeks from now, uh, hopefully things will get a little bit better. I mean, things are getting better all the time, right? Yeah. 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 Love you guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Bye. Stay safe.